0: Welcome back to another episode of the Paycheck Today Check Podcast. Uh, Today we are going to be talking about a beginner's guide to garage sales and estate sales. So, we've mentioned before that both of these are great options in finding inventory for your reselling business. And we wanted to do a little bit of a deeper dive into both of these um, how to find them, how to have success with them, tips on negotiating. We're going to cover a lot of different things here. So buckle up.
1: So, I think the first thing is, how do you even find a garage sale to go to? Now, there are different websites that you can use, such as Craigslist, which I feel like Craigslist is kind of the OG of where you would go to find garage sales. It's still like they haven't updated it very well. Like it's it's very archaic to me. Um, But there's also a statesales.net, statesales.org. And then also options would be like next door, the free stuff app, Facebook marketplace, local Facebook groups, driving around and your local paper. So there are different ways. And I think that can be one of the most challenging things with garage sales is not everybody posts in one place. So you kind of have to figure out in your area, where are people posting the most? And then definitely keep that on the back burner for when you are looking for garage sales
0: yeah there used to be well there still is this amazing app it was um it's called yard sale treasure map and i think it was like a free download and it used to be connected to craigslist but for some reason over the last few years they've like Disconnected. So it would take all of the garage sales that were posted on Craigslist and kind of put them all together in like this yard sale map for your area. And it was amazing. It was a wonderful tool. And I used it all the time and it helped me create a route for like my Saturday garage sale, you know, extravaganza. But now, because my area does not seem to use Craigslist to post their sales on as often as other areas do. Um, there's just not a lot that shows up on that yard sale treasure map. Now, if you're having a garage sale or yard sale or whatever, you can add it manually to the map. And I know people still use that map to manually add sales that they want to attend. And also, you know, it just helps them route their. It just helps them create the most efficient route you know, in sales that they want to hit that day. So it is still useful. Um, just unfortunately, you know, it's not as useful. I don't think anyways, um, since it's not connected to Craigslist anymore, but that is also another tool, uh, real quick about, you know, posts on Facebook In you know, the posts that you see on Facebook, whether it's in like a garage sale, you know, a local garage sale page or on Facebook marketplace, You know, people are going to post photos and sometimes they'll post a lot of information on what they have, like where the sale is, the address, the time, um, all that good stuff, any details that you need to know. So that is going to help you, you know, get the information that you need to make the decisions on which sales to go to first. And if they post pictures, which is always helpful, it'll kind of help you to see, you know, what they're going to have, the quality of the items, the number of items and that sort of thing.
1: Yeah, I feel like the Facebook groups are kind of the way to go. So I know here in our area, you know, we're in Apache Junction and there's a buy-sell trade for Apache Junction. There's one for what's called Santian Valley, which is south of here. That's where I see most people posting for garage sales. And I do like the pictures. Now everyone sees those pictures, but it kind of allows you to say, okay, if you're just driving around and going to garage sales, you don't know what they're going to have. I know we've driven around, maybe they had like a bunch of kids clothes and it's like, we don't really sell that. So I like the idea of when people post and have the pictures. So that way you can kind of look and be like, oh, well, I can see that they have like a lot of shoes or they have electronic. Just kind of helps you decide whether that garage sale will be worth it
0: because we've always talked about time is definitely valuable. Okay. So let's start talking about some tips that you can use to make sure that you have a successful garage sale day. In my area, most of them are on Fridays and Saturdays. We rarely have any Sunday garage sales and our thrift stores are not open on Sundays around here for some reason. So you really need to like make sure that you're, you know, if you're in my area or an area that's similar, that you're organized, that you have a plan so you can hit as many sales as possible and get the good stuff. Um, that you're you know that you want to purchase. So make sure that you plan a route. So what I do is I kind of make a plan the night before, so I know what time I need to get up. So that kind of like makes me aware of the time that I need to go to bed. Also, so if I need to be at the first sale at seven a.m. I'm not staying up until like midnight or one o'clock in the morning. Your girl needs her sleep. Definitely make sure that you are one of the early birds there. You want to start early and hit up the ones that open the earliest. And if possible, I kind of like to start the farthest away from my house and work my way back. That is, I think something that not a lot of people talk about maybe. Um, Because at the end of the day, I'm tired. I don't want to drive an hour, an hour and a half back to my house. I want to be like, Ten minutes from home. So if it is possible and the sales are early enough, like the further away for me, I will try to start there if at all possible. You want to try to be first in line. You also, this is something that I know that a lot of people go back and forth on, but you want to be respectful about the times that people post that they're opening, you know, or starting their garage sale. So if it says seven a.m there's going to be people that show up at like 5am and they're going to sit outside in their cars and they're going to wait, or they might not be that respectful. They might like just kind of start browsing through your front lawn. Um, I know that there's, it's a little bit more cutthroat in certain areas where I'm from, like where I live now. If you do that, like you will get cussed out and escorted off someone's property that will, that's just not acceptable behavior. But I know in different areas, especially like California, um, where there's, you know, it's It's a lot more cutthroat. There's a lot more competition for garage sales, for resellers and antiquers and stuff like that. Um, It's almost expected that people are going to start knocking on your door at like 5am and wanting to go through your stuff. I always try to err on the side of like being respectful. I don't want to rock the boat. I don't want someone yelling at me. And people just don't do that around here. So I don't want to be the first one that starts it. So I shared that Casey and I had our
1: garage sale recently, like probably a month ago. So the only thing with posting what time you're going to have it, you better be out there. So the next morning, we didn't realize that our tenant that lives on the property, he posts all the time on these Facebook groups, the buy, sell, trade because he has his own window cleaning business. Well, we didn't realize that he had posted that it was going to start at this time. And we're setting up and that we have our gate closed so nobody can come in. There was a couple that pulled up. The woman was so unbelievably rude. She's like, are you open? And Casey's like, give us another like 10 minutes. And she like got mad and stormed off. And Casey was like, okay, if you want to just come in then, that's fine, whatever. But then later we realized, oh my goodness, we posted that we were going to open at that time definitely know like if somebody's going to say what time there's going to be that person that's definitely going to be on time or a couple minutes early and i think that is kind of what happens out here is you have a lot of people that see what you have and they will definitely come early that's just one thing to think about but i just thought that was a funny story because that woman i was like oh my gosh like it's a garage sale lady like chill and if she wouldn't sit (laughs) Well, you guys said you were going to open at this time. We would have been like, oh my gosh, you know, we would have put two and two together. But at the time, we're like, let us set up our stuff.
0: Yep, exactly. Like some people have no chill when it comes to yard sales. One thing that's really
1: big out here are community garage sales. And I think because it gives the community a time where they can have like random people coming in, Uh, a lot of them are like patio sales, 55 and older communities where you might have like a gate to get in. So this gives them the opportunity, like, okay, so many times a year, we're going to offer the community patio sale, and then they can keep their gates open and people can drive through and kind of shop around. Or you see neighborhoods with like HOAs, they always do a community garage sale, which is nice, but that's another thing to look at. And a lot of times they might not post on social media but it might be like in front of where the community is. So look for signs. Like I know when you're going into a subdivision out here, you might see a sign that says community-wide garage sales and it'll give you the information of when it is. But that's definitely a good way to hit a lot of them in a very short period of time and you're not having to drive around. Sometimes you'll have people in those communities where literally they have like two tables, but then other people are definitely dedicated to their community garage sale.
0: Yeah, I agree. I love looking for those community sales. It just it gives you a lot of sales to hit, and like uh, like you said, a shorter amount of time. You're not getting in and out of your car constantly. You can kind of park your car in a central location and walk, you know, from house to house. Um And that kind of ties into the next tip that I have for you guys is to make sure that you're bringing reusable bags to carry with you. So a lot of the sales, you know, garage sales and estate sales, they're not going to provide you with a bag or a box to put your stuff in. And if you've got like an armful of clothing or shoes or electronics or whatever it might be, you know, you got to walk back to your car with all that stuff. And if you wanted to hit up the next house, let's say you're, you are at a community sale, you want to hit up the next house, then you got to walk, you know, walk all this stuff back to your car because you don't have a bag or something to put it in uh, while you go on to the next sale. So just make sure that you're prepared with stuff like that. And if you, you know, see a sale and you're planning on buying a lot of stuff that you see, you know, posted and you get there on time and all that stuff is still available, you want to make sure that you're prepared with like, A way to transport that stuff home. If you're let's say looking for furniture or bigger electronics or something like that, don't rely on the seller to hold your item for you. Like just there's miscommunications that can happen and someone might, you know, bribe them and say, Well, I'll give you, you know, another fifty dollars for this dresser or whatever it is. Then you lose out on the item and it just costs you your time. So just make sure that you're ready and prepared to take the items that you purchase as soon as you purchase them and don't rely and someone to hold the stuff for you because sometimes it just doesn't work out that way. You can always bring like Ikea bags
1: are really good because you can fit a lot of items in it or think about getting like a little wagon that you can then pull and put your items in and then you're not having to like hold on to them while you're you know shopping just make sure that you're watching the wagon so nobody goes in and tries to buy stuff out of your wagon but maybe you could make a profit on that who knows. But yeah, I like the idea of you have to be prepared. And even like when you're going thrifting, we always bring reusable bags because we just know like we don't ever want to be in a position where we have to make about 10 or 15 trips to the car. So definitely reusable bags. That's a really good tip. I know I do when I have a garage sale. Sometimes I'm like really lazy and I'm like, I'm just going to throw everything in this box and I'm not going to even like put it out on the table. So definitely look high and low. Don't be afraid to dig through the boxes. Uh, a lot of people, when they are going to garage sales, they're just going to kind of raise over and look. They're not really going to dig But I know there's been a garage sale where I did do that and I ended up finding a really nice pair of shoes that were at the bottom where if I would have just passed over it, I wouldn't have seen those items.
0: Yeah. And you know, the more you go to garage sales, the more you're gonna see that everyone sets their stuff up differently. And it's just it's kind of funny. So last garage sale season in New York, I had a route planned and it kind of seemed like I was on the same path as there were like two other people. There was a family. And then there was this one like guy who was probably like in his fifties. And you could tell that they were all resellers of some nature. So we ended up going to like the same four or five um, garage sales, like all in a row. Like we were all getting there kind of at the same time in watching these people, you know, the last one, the single, you know, gentleman, he kind of po he like parks his car, he walks up the driveway, he kinda of pokes his head around, like looking around, looking at things, like peeks in the garage. And he like kind of shakes his head and then like walks off back to his car. It like it wasn't worth his time. And maybe it wasn't, but he like you said, he was just doing kind of a once over. And that could be a good strategy if you're looking for something really niche or really specific, um, like video games or electronics or books or whatever, you know, your niche is if you don't see any of those items, then yeah, definitely, you know, move on to the next one. But if I'm not on a time crunch and because I'm a little bit of like an everything seller to an extent, I'll dig through whatever, you know, I'm going to go through those boxes. Like you, I have found some very good items at the bottom of those boxes, at the bottom of those bins, digging through tables of clothing. You just don't know what's there. Unless, until you put your eyes on it, basically. The next tip is to not be afraid to cut your losses. Don't be afraid, like I said before, to move on quickly if you don't see anything of value in the first couple of minutes, or if it's clear that the um, seller is open to negotiating, or for an example, if you see eBay listed uh, printouts attached to every single item, you know, they want the listed price for every single item that they're selling. More often than not, that isn't going to be worth, you know, spending time on and trying to negotiate with those people. If they're just set on their prices, they're set on their prices. If they're too expensive for you to be making a profit on, if they don't meet your sourcing criteria, then I say it's just better to move on to the next one. Keep it moving and not get like dragged down by anything like that you might think of as like a negative experience. So it doesn't like ruin your day or anything like that. And you can
1: definitely tell when it's a it's a reseller having their garage sale. And out here, there's, I swear, professional garage sale people that legit have a garage sale almost every single weekend. I feel like the fancier, the sign, that's a sign that they have done a garage sale over and over again. But another thing that people do out here is they buy storage units out and they legit take everything out and just throw it in their yard There's a lot more yard sales out here than quote unquote garage sales in a garage. So yeah, that's something to also be aware of when you're going. doesn't necessarily mean that you're not going to get anything, but sometimes with them, I feel like they're a lot higher priced. We went to one and it was set up so organized. They had their clothing section. They had their kitchen. It was like a mini thrift store, but the prices were like more than Goodwill.
0: Yeah, you're definitely going to see that sometimes. And like you said, it is pretty obvious when it's a reseller trying to offload, you know, some of their stale inventory or inventory, maybe they're a little bit too emotionally attached to. Yeah. So that's something to keep an eye out for, for sure.
1: Now, I like this next tip. So if you see something you specialize in like video games, or notice the seller is wearing like vintage t shirts, ask if they have more because they might have some that they didn't put out. And I think this was a tip that Rally Roots put out. I feel like it was with vintage t-shirts. They had found a garage sale and this woman was talking about how her husband had this Harley, I think it was Harley Davidson collection or, you know, something like that. They asked about if they could purchase more and they ended up making a deal. So you never know like what people have that they don't have set out. So that's just another tip when you're going to garage sales.
0: Yeah, I've gotten a ton of inventory this way. Actually, if I see like video games is a really good example. And that's something that I've personally had happen before. So seeing like a video game console, I think it was like a Wii or something like that. They had, I think, I don't know, a couple of video games out and maybe I'd missed some, you know, in the people that had come to purchase before. I'm not really sure. But I asked, you know, do you have any other um, gaming consoles that you're looking to offload or um, old Ataris or anything like that? And the guy was like, actually, I do have an Atari, but I didn't think anyone was going to want it. It's so old. And I have like, this guy had like 75 games and they were all beautifully organized. It was a gorgeous system, like hardly used. He just had it in a box ready to donate to Goodwill because he didn't think anyone was going to want it because it was like so old. Like, oh, no, no, no. Like, well, you know, I'll take a look at that. No problem. And then he ended up like giving it to me for so cheap. I think I paid like $10 or $15 for that entire lot of games and the system. He had a ton of controllers. I don't even remember what was all in the box. It was a huge box. So it never hurts to ask. You just don't know what people have. And a lot of people, they also don't know what they have. Like They don't know what's worth money to us and to other people. They might think it's complete junk. My mom and dad used to, I've mentioned this before, but they used to clean out estates and they sold on eBay. They also had an antique store that they ran for a number of years. People would ask them all the time, you know, what if something was worth something or to come clean out an estate and whatever, you know, they'd be in negotiation with this, with a family. Um, For instance, if like a parent passed away, they were older and the kids would contact my mom and dad. So they would get there sometimes and there'd be like a dumpster on the property already and my dad's heart would always sink. And he's like, you know, what'd you guys throw away? And I'm like, oh, we just went through like a bunch of stuff. It's just junk. Don't, you know, it's garbage, just trash. Like, no, we'll, we'll be ju- the judge of that. You know, like so many times they would throw out things that they thought were completely worthless that actually had incredible value. So again, you know, one man's junk is another man's treasure. And that is so true in this business.
1: And then going off of that, a lot of people get overwhelmed. It's a lot of work to do, like a garage sale or an estate sale. It is a lot of prep. And I think once you start, then you're like, oh, my gosh, so much work. I used to price all of the items and put a price tag on and have it nice and neat. Now I'm like, everything's for sale. Everything's up for negotiation realize that people do get overwhelmed with that kind of stuff. And like you said, with the dumpster being on site, they were probably thinking, how am I going to get rid of all this stuff? But when people are in that situation, it's easier to negotiate and to be able to get better deals.
0: All right. So the next tip is that you should definitely be open to making connections when you go to these garage sales and estate sales. If you frequently go to sales like this, you're going to start to pick up on, like Liz said before, people that are having garage sales like every weekend, every other weekend, once a month, you're going to like get to know the usual suspects and like the type of inventory they have, especially if they're resellers, you know, like she mentioned that are trying to offload inventory that they might get from storage units or whatever. So I actually made a really great connection with someone at a garage sale that I went to my first year uh living in Saratoga. For those of you that don't know, Saratoga, New York is like really well known for this like racetrack. It's a horse racetrack and like people are just wild about their horses around here. There are some really, really, really nice areas of, you know, of Saratoga. There's some really wealthy people. Bobby Flay hangs out here. It's like, it's crazy, especially in the summer. There's just some like really wild things that go on and the garage sales and the state sales can be amazing in this area because there's a lot of like, again, really wealthy people. Um, I came across this lady who was having a garage sale. Um, she was actually at her friend's house and I'm still not 100% sure how she acquired all of the things that she had, even after knowing this woman for multiple years now. But um, I walk up, I park my car, I walk up, it's in front of like this wicked nice house and like a really great, you know, area of town. And she, this lady's got like metal clothing racks out, like everything's on hangers. There are shoes and shoe boxes still Things are new, like brand new, shiny, sparkly. She's got some really good stuff here. Bin, like There's a, a couple bins filled with shoes and I'm like looking through those bins and they're all like brand new. She just ran out of space on tables to display them. She comes over, she sees me looking through stuff. She comes over and we're kind of talking. She's very nice, very friendly, like super easy to talk to. You know, I, I kind of just got the vibe that I could tell her. I'm like, listen, you know, I sell stuff on eBay and Poshmark. What would you want for all of this? And I pointed, you know, I pointed out what I wanted. I wanted, there were two clothing racks full of stuff. And I think I got like five bins filled with shoes. And she's like, oh, I don't even know. Like she had no idea what she would want. And there were like, you know, a couple other tables with items on there, like some purses and stuff like that, sunglasses. But at that point, I wasn't super familiar with you know, more of the accessory kind of thing. So I was just going to stick to what I knew. And I looked up, you know, some sold comps and everything and everything was just like, it was amazing quality of selling for, you know, a great price and would meet my sourcing criteria. So I'm like, well, you know, no pressure. I kind of want to keep looking through the stuff that you have. Why don't you think about it, you know, and come back to me and let me know, you know, your price. She's like, okay. So she, you know, kind of goes back up to the porch and she's thinking about it and she's got her phone out and I can see her, she's kind of doing some math in her head and all that. And she comes back a couple minutes later and she's like, okay, so she offers me, you know, a price. And one of the strategies that I've always used, especially in like the car business is like, you don't want to be the first one to throw a price out. You want them to be the first person to give a price even when, you know, negotiating car deals. So, cause then you know where that person stands and I don't want to offer something that's going to be super insulting to her. You know, if she's looking for a thousand dollars, I don't want to offer her a hundred dollars. She's just going to immediately shut down and not want to talk to me anymore. She comes back with her price and we negotiate a little bit back and forth. And long story short, I ended up getting all of that inventory from her for like $250. I had to... (laughs) I didn't have that much cash left on me. I went to the ATM. I came back. I paid the lady and then loaded up my car. I had to take a load of stuff home and then come back and get more because I had already got... like She was my last stop of the day. My car was log jammed, filled with stuff. So luckily, she was very understanding and I lived like 10 minutes away. So I went home, unloaded, came back, loaded up the rest of the stuff and then went back home. And I was like overwhelmed (laughs) with the amount of stuff that I got from her. But... Long story short, we ended up connecting. We swapped phone numbers. She's like, oh, I get stuff all the time. Like, well, call me, text me, let me know. And let's see if we can work something out. So she was a great connection that I had for a very, very long time. She kind of got out of it a little bit and stopped getting the volume of items we kind of had a little bit of a deal worked out where i would at first it was kind of like i was going to buy things you know f- off of her and then take them you know and sell them for whatever and then she got some really high end stuff like gucci prada um it was just it was insane the amount of things that she had valentino the handbags and shoes and whatever and i was Kind of a poor girl at that point, and I didn't have the cash to front to be able to buy these items from her outright. And I knew that they were worth a lot of money. So we kind of came up with like a consignment sort of situation, and that worked out for a long time. But I wasn't able to sell things fast enough for her, I think. And because they were high end, you know, luxury items, I feel like. And my my client base at that point, like the people that were shopping my Poshmark and my eBay store, they weren't used to me having those items. Like that's not the stuff that I usually had available. So I was trying to kind of work my way into like the higher end luxury brand, you know, clientele. And I just couldn't do it fast enough for the, you know, she needed to sell those items faster. So, you know, we kind of stopped the consignment thing. I did buy from her a couple more times. And then, you know, it got to the point where I was like overwhelmed with the amount of inventory that I had. And then 2020 started and then it kind of shifted a little bit anyways into like retail and online arbitrage. But, you know, all that to say... She has a huge connection that I made at this one garage sale that I happened to stop at at the end of my day. She was the last one I went to. We made a lot of money together. It it was a great relationship. And I still, you know, talked to her. She's a good friend. So you just never know who the heck you're going to run into. Really, you just don't know whose door you're going to walk into tomorrow.
1: Well, and then us having a garage sale, we actually I noticed a guy that came up with a backpack and he had a GoPro on it. Well, hello. I was like, you have a YouTube channel, don't you? And they, it's him and his wife. And it's all about like retro video games. And so when, as soon as they came up, they were like, do you have any video games? I'm like, honestly, we, we don't have any, but we were sharing kind of our tips on the area of where to find certain things. So that was also very beneficial because they suggested a couple places that Casey and I haven't tried yet, but also we connected on social media. They have YouTube, they have Instagram. So I know if we ever come across an opportunity to buy some video games for pretty cheap and they're the, you know, 80s ones or whatnot, Atari would be probably the perfect one. We could probably reach out to them and be kind of like the middleman. You never know when that opportunity is going to come, but I'm so thankful that we met them because it's nice connecting with other resellers in the area, especially ones who aren't afraid of sharing their knowledge that they have and you never know it you know, down the road, they could reach out to us because we were sharing exactly what we sell, you know, and what we kind of specify in.
0: Yeah, that's really nice. And I, you know, I've mentioned this before, but I feel like there's just plenty to go around. There's no need to like gatekeep everything and keep it to yourself and not share and operate from like a scarcity mindset. I love like helping other people. Um, Obviously, that's, you know, why we have this podcast. We both love helping other people and teaching them how to, you know, grow a reselling business. And I think, you know, it's just so rewarding when you can connect with someone else and like swap information and teach each other and help each other. It's just, it's a really great feeling. All
1: right. Next up, let's talk about negotiating because I think that is what's nice about garage sales, you can negotiate price where if you walk into a retail store or even a thrift store, like there's no room for negotiation. There are some really good tips that you should be thinking about. First off, don't be afraid to negotiate. People set prices on items that might be a little high, but there's always going to be wiggle room. Know the value of the product. For example, we went to a garage sale and this guy had an eBay printout on this like Harley Davidson vintage Monopoly game. And I looked it up and I was like, well, what's the lowest you're willing to go on this? He was willing to go maybe $10 lower, but I knew the value of that. Therefore, I knew if I negotiated, I would have to negotiate down way more. So that way there was room for me to have a profit. Definitely know the value of items. Another tip is if you are at a garage sale and you find a bunch of items, try to bundle them and say, what would you what would you charge if I got all these items? Cause sometimes running a garage sale, you see somebody with a lot of items and you're like, yes, that stuff's going to go away and I don't have to deal with it when the garage sale is over. I know with those dumb raid done mugs that I had in excess after uh you know, they got saturated. The guy, I literally bundled them all together and I gave him a great deal. I didn't get as much as I wanted, but I made money on them. They're not sitting anymore. They're not taking up space. And he got to take them and I didn't have to deal with them. So definitely bundling is a good way to negotiate a lower price. Another tip is to be willing to walk away. You know, I mean, you don't know what that guy with the monopoly said. If I would have you know i walked away he could have been like okay what are you willing to pay could have you know been in that situation i could have negotiated it for what i needed the price to be so walking away is okay know the value of the item because you never want to be stuck with something that you're overpaying for just like you would in a thrift store or in a retail store you need to know what's your your bottom dollar that you're willing to pay because you need to make a certain profit i like your tip on letting them be the one to offer a price first. I think that's where Casey messed up at a garage sale. We found these three really cool, unique pool cues and he walked up to them and gave them a price and the guy's like, I'll take it. And I was like, I would have started so much lower. So had Casey let him give the price first, he probably would have saved a couple dollars per, per pool cue. Now, Bolo Brenda, she is the best at negotiating. She is a garage sale queen. Cannot wait till she comes out at the end of the month because we are going to hit some garage sales and I hope Casey learns his negotiation skills from her and
0: hopefully we can get items for cheaper down the road. You know, a lot of people I think are nervous when it comes to negotiating. They don't want to make people mad. They don't want to, you know, insult them. But I honestly think that at garage sales and estate sales, this is... They're the perfect places to start ne- with negotiating, to get your feet wet, to get comfortable, because more often than not, people are expecting you to negotiate. So it's really important to keep in mind that, you know, they are the sellers are trying to get top dollar for their items for the most part. Some people are just like looking to get rid of their stuff, but. For the most part, sellers are looking to get the most amount of money that they possibly can for their items, and you as the buyer are trying to get it for the least amount possible and the most amount of items. A sale will happen when those two parties can compromise on a price. So it's important to keep, you know, that in mind. Don't feel like you're going to insult someone and it's all about like how you approach it as well. If you come in hot and rude and you can see that the seller is already overwhelmed and people are hounding them and harassing them. And just they're, you can tell they're like sweating. They're not having a good day so far. Don't add to that stress and that pressure, you know, like come in like a breath of fresh air, you know, like talk to them like they're a human being. And if you see that they, you know, they're, they're struggling, like offer to, you know, like, I don't know, pick up something that they dropped or whatever, you know, like just be a normal, decent human being and they will treat you with kindness and probably give you a great deal on your stuff. Okay, so sometimes you're going to go to, you know, a sale and there's not going to be any prices on items. Other people are very meticulous in how they price items and everything's going to have a little sticker with the price on it. There's a couple of things that you can do when you go to a sale. And I was a little thrown off by this when I first. Got to my couple, you know, my first few sales and there were no prices on anything. Like, how am I supposed to know if this is going to be a giant, you know, waste of my time? Like, what if they want like top dollar for everything? But again, it's a learning experience and a really great way to get your feet wet and, you know, learning how to handle these situations. So, what I like to do in that scenario is I'll bundle, you know, a bunch of stuff that I would be interested in purchasing, supposing that it will be at a, a price that. I can make money on and it meets my sourcing criteria. And then I'll say something to the seller, like, you know, what were you thinking if I purchased all of this stuff and make sure that they can see all the stuff that you're buying from them. And like we mentioned before, let them throw a number out at you. If they say, well, I don't know. What do you think? Like, well, you know, I have a number in mind, but I don't want to, you know, insult you. Like, you know, give me, give me an idea of what, what, what do you think? And throw like right back at them. You just kind of have to be a little like quick on your feet. If they are way off on price from what you had in mind, you can say something like, Oh, okay. I ha- actually had, you know, a much lower number in mind. But again, you know, I, I really don't want to insult you. I- I'm just going to, you know, put some of this stuff back. Nine times out of 10, they will probably say, Well, you know, what did you have in mind? Like, tell me. And then you can feel free to give them your offer. Again, you know, we're trying to get things for a a price where we can make a profit on them. And it's okay if it doesn't work out. You are not obligated to buy anything at whatever prices put out there, but it doesn't hurt to try to get a lower number. If you still don't feel comfortable with the price that, you know, you're at for the amount that you have, and you saw some more items at that sale that you might be potentially interested in, you can try, you know, there's a couple of things that you can try. You can try asking, you know, well, do you have any more items like this, like video games or books or whatever? And maybe they, you know, again, maybe they do, they had like a box set aside for donation that they didn't think anyone would be interested in. So they just didn't even put it out for the sale, offer to go through it. And, you know, say, you could say something like, well, if I buy more, do you think we could work out a better deal? just it doesn't hurt to ask like just be respectful be kind and ask your questions and again keep in mind they're trying to get the most that they can for it but they if they're having a garage sale or an estate sale they likely want to get rid of this stuff and you are there willing to purchase it so if you can come to a good compromise things are going to work out in your favor
1: when you're at the garage sales also kind of keep an eye and ear out of the person that's there selling the the items. I was at a garage sale and there was a girl that had all these Starbucks cups and I was going to make her an offer on all of them. But then she was like, firm on price, firm on price. And I was like, whoa, somebody is not willing to negotiate. Some people want to give you a deal too when there's others around. So if I hear somebody say, oh, I'll just give it to you for this. Or, you know, if somebody comes back at a number and they take it, that tells me that they are up for negotiation. So sometimes reading the room is really good and knowing like who the sellers are at the garage sale you're at. Yeah,
0: and you know, when my parents have garage sales or I used to go with them to flea markets all the time and they were sellers there. So it was just really interesting to see their dynamic working together like behind the table. My my dad might be a little bit more willing to, let something go for a little lower of a price where my mom is a little bit more strict on what they were offering. You know, if it says $50, she kind of wants 50 bucks for it, you know, whereas my dad would probably let it go for like 30, 35, but he's also a really good salesman and he might try to like make a, a connection with someone or get them to buy more items. Well, you know, we actually have this and this and this, and it kind of goes with this. And, you know, I can make you a really great bundle deal if you wanted to take all of them. Like he, he's kind of thinking like, how can I get them to buy more stuff? So it's just interesting to see like a dynamic between people that are maybe having a sale together, or a husband and wife, boyfriend and girlfriend, you want to try to find the person that's going to be willing to negotiate with you a little bit more and <laughs> sort of avoid the person that isn't going to be willing to negotiate with you. In addition to that, you know, I find that this is more prominent at estate sales, I guess, especially if it's a company, you know, like running the estate sale. If there is a huge line of people or um a really crowded room like a lot of popular items in one room and that person's kind of like making the rounds i will not go up to them in front of a ton of people and ask them all you know what's the you know what's the best you can do on all this stuff like i'm not going to ask in front of everybody Because I don't want them to feel pressure in giving everyone else a great deal too. Like maybe we had a conversation when I first came in the door and we get along really well. I kind of feel like maybe they will give me, you know, a better deal than what's, what is priced on the item. But I don't want them to feel like they have to give everyone a deal. If they offer me, let's say, you know, 30% or 40% off what's listed. Then they they're gonna kind of feel like they have to give that deal to everyone that's also in earshot, and you don't want to put that on them, basically. So I'll try to ask them like quietly or in a different room where there's not as many people around, so they don't feel that pressure. Something that um I've done I think twice now, and it hasn't been recently, but in the last like couple years, both times I was uh, working still in the car business, so you know, on my lunch break or something, I would see an ad like on Facebook advertising the garage sale. And I'd look through the pictures and kind of look up their address and stuff and see like what the neighborhood was like. And I'm, you know, judging the book a little bit by its cover. Sure. But I want to know if it's going to be worth my time even making this offer. I'll reach out to the person and say, you know, I am very interested in a ton of the items that you have for sale. Uh, I was wondering if maybe I could, if you're open to this, if maybe I could stop by like later today on my way home from work, check out the items that you're planning on putting out for the sale. And maybe we could come to some sort of an agreement and I can purchase everything from you and take it off your hands for like one, like bulk price. Um, and then you don't have to, you know, spend your time on Saturday running the sale and dealing with a bunch of other people. And that has worked out for me out of... I've sent a couple messages like that. And like I said, it's worked out twice where I've been able to do this. It worked out pretty well both times, I guess. It's a lot of work um, if they have a lot of stuff. And it does kind of put a little bit of pressure on you to, I guess... Take everything and purchase everything. So there's a couple things that you need to keep in mind. You have to have the space to be able to store this stuff. If you're going to purchase all their items, you need to have um, transportation for it. So if they're selling bigger items, you need some way of getting this stuff back to your house. The manpower to move these items, um, the money to be able to make a bulk purchase, and the time to go through it all and sell it in a way of like getting rid of it. So, if there are some items there that you know aren't going to fit the selling platforms that you sell on, how will you offload that inventory that you're not really interested in selling piece by piece, for example?
1: Well, and with going with what you just mentioned, also another tip that just came to my mind. So, if you went to a garage sale and you know that it was a good one. Try to find the post the last day or like on a Sunday and see. A lot of people, what they do will update the post on the garage sale and they'll put free items. So anything that they have left over, they'll say free, come and take it. So that's another thing that you can do. Or also try to make friends with that seller at the garage sale. And if you feel comfortable, you could say, what were your plans on getting rid of all the inventory when you were done? Um, I would be interested if you were wanting me to take anything that's left over. So there are ways that you can kind of negotiate buying out the garage sale or getting the stuff for free. And the very last tip that we
0: have for you guys is more to do with estate sales. And it's just kind of something to look out for. And I guess, you know, this could potentially happen with garage sales too, but I find that it happens a lot less. So with estate Estate sales, you're going to have you know like the usual suspects in your area, the people that run the estate sales all the time. Companies more often than not, you'll get used to what their tactics are in advertising and their pricing strategies and all that good stuff. Something to watch out for. There was actually a very recent example of this that I ran into. So, in my hometown, this restaurant that was in business for years and years and years went out of business. Like the owner retired and they had a lot of very cool antiques inside of this restaurant. So they decided to have an estate sale and they hired a company to run the estate sale for them. The company that they hired to run, my mom and dad were very familiar with in um, you know, from years past and running their own business and going to estate sales that this company ran. What they found was that their way of advertising was a little shady, I suppose. This person would post photos of items that maybe were available at one point, but that they actually would pre-sell to other people. And they were like the popular items that um, other people would want to go to the estate sale to purchase. In this example, my mom actually went to one of the estate sales that this company ran many, many years ago, and they were there for something specific to purchase. She was the second person in line that day. They went in, her and my dad went in, and the person that was in front of them went to one room. Her and my dad went to a different room where this item that they were looking to purchase would have been. And that's where it was in the photos and everything. And there was already a sold tag on the item. So they went up to the person running the estate sale. They're like, you know, we we were here early. We were the second person in line. Like, how is this sold already? And the company, whoever was running it, this person said, well, oh, it it already sold. Well, how is that possible? You know, like today's the first day we were the second people in line and it's already somehow sold. So a lot of these estate sale companies will have, you know, they'll have their people for various items like furniture, electronics, clothing. So then they don't get stuck with a lot of the items. They'll pre-sell those items to their, you know, their guy, their person that specializes in whatever that niche is. And they'll pre-sell the stuff to them. So then they don't end up stuck with it, basically. It's just something to watch out for if uh, you're going to start doing estate sales. This isn't, I don't want to say that it happens all the time, but it's just one of those things to be aware of. There's other tactics that they use as well. You just want to make sure that you're keeping your eyes open and being aware of what's going on in your area. All right, guys, that's a wrap on today's episode. Thank you so much for listening to the Paycheck to Daycheck Reselling Podcast.
1: Anything we mentioned in this episode will be linked down below in the show notes
0: or description down below. Be sure to share this episode with anyone you think it will help and follow us on social media at P2D Podcast. Thanks again for listening. Keep working towards that Daycheck.